Hello and welcome to the Bible Podcast. Today is April 3rd and we're reading the book of 1 Samuel. Today we'll cover chapters 20 and 21. Chapter 20. David ran from Naoth and Ramah to Jonathan and asked him, What have I done? What is my wrong that I have done? What terrible thing have I done to your father that he wants to kill me? Nothing, Jonathan replied. You're not going to die. Listen, my father tells me everything he's planning, whatever it is. Why would my father keep something like this from me? It's not true. But David swore an oath again, saying, Your father knows very well that I'm your friend. And so he's told himself, Jonathan can't find out about this, otherwise he'll be really upset. I swear on the life of the Lord and on your own life, my life is hanging by a thread. Tell me what you want me to do for you and I'll do it, Jonathan told David. Well, the new moon festival is tomorrow and I meant to sit down and eat with the king, but if it's all right with you, I plan to go and hide in the field until the evening three days from now. If your father does indeed miss me, tell him, David had to urgently ask my permission to hurry down to Bethlehem, his hometown, because of a yearly sacrifice there for his whole family group. If he says, that's fine, then there's no problem for me, your servant. But if he gets mad, you'll know he intends to do me harm. So please treat me well as you promised when you made an agreement with me before the Lord. If I've done wrong, then kill me yourself. Why take me to your father for him to do it? Absolutely not, Jonathan replied. If I knew for certain that if my father had plans to harm you, don't you think I'd tell you? So who's going to let me know if your father gives you a nasty answer? David asked. Come on, let's go out into the countryside, Jonathan said. So both of them went out to the countryside. Jonathan said to David, I promise by the Lord, the God of Israel, that I will question my father by this time tomorrow or the day after. If things look good for you, I'll send a message to you and let you know. But if my father plans to do you harm, then may the Lord punish me very severely. If I don't let you know by sending you a message that you can get away safely, may the Lord be with you just as he was with my father. While I live, please show me trustworthy love like that of the Lord so I don't die. And please don't ever remove your trustworthy love for my family, even when the Lord has removed every one of your enemies from the earth. Jonathan made a solemn agreement with the family of David, saying, May the Lord impose retribution on David's enemies. Jonathan made David swear this once more by making an oath based on David's love for him, and Jonathan already loved David as he loved himself. Then Jonathan said to David, The new moon festival is tomorrow. You'll be missed because your place will be empty. In three days' time, go quickly to where you hid when all this started, and stay there beside the pile of stones. I'll shoot three arrows to the side of it, as if I were shooting at a target. Then I'll send a boy and tell him, go and find the arrows. Now if I say to him specifically, look, the arrows are this side of you, bring them over here. Then I swear on the life of the Lord, it's safe for you to come out, there's no danger. But if I tell the boy, look, the arrows are way past you, then you'll have to leave, for the Lord wants you to go away. As for what you and I talked about, remember that the Lord is a witness between you and me forever. So David hid himself in the field. When the new moon festival arrived, the king sat down to eat. He sat in his usual place by the wall opposite Jonathan. Abner sat next to Saul, but David's place was empty. Saul didn't say anything that day because he thought, something has probably happened to David to make him ceremonially unclean. Yes, he must be unclean. 
But the second day, the day after the new moon, David's place was still empty. Saul asked his son Jonathan, Why hasn't the son of Jesse come to dinner, either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered, David had to urgently ask my permission to go to Bethlehem, he told me. Please let me go because our family is having a sacrifice in the town and my brother told me I had to be there. If you think well of me, please let me go and see my brothers. That's why he's absent from the king's table. Saul got very angry with Jonathan and said, You rebellious son of a whore! Don't you think I know that you prefer the son of Jesse? Shame on you! You're a disgrace to the mother who bore you. While the son of Jesse remains alive, you and your kingship are not secure. Now go and bring him here to me, for he has to die. Why does he have to be put to death? Jonathan asked. What has he done? Saul threw his spear at Jonathan, trying to kill him, so he knew that his father definitely wanted David dead. Jonathan left the table absolutely furious. He would not eat anything on the second day of the festival, for he was so upset by the shameful way his father had treated David. In the morning, Jonathan went to the field to the place he had agreed with David, and a young boy was with him. He told the boy, Run and find the arrows that I shoot. The boy started running, and Jonathan shot an arrow past him. When the boy got to the place where Jonathan's arrow had landed, Jonathan shouted to him, Isn't the arrow farther past you? Hurry up, do it quickly, don't wait. The boy picked up the arrows and took them back to his master. The boy didn't suspect anything. Only Jonathan and David knew what it meant. Jonathan gave his bow and arrows to the boy and said, Take these back to town. After the boy had gone, David got up from beside the pile of stones, fell face down to the ground, and bowed three times. Then he and Jonathan kissed each other and cried together as friends, though David cried the hardest. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for the two of us have sworn a solemn oath in the name of the Lord. We said, The Lord will be a witness between me and you, and between my descendants and your descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to town. Chapter 21 David went to the town of Nob to see Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech was trembling in fear when he met him. He asked, Why are you here alone? Why isn't there anybody with you? The king has given me an assignment, David replied. He told me, Nobody must know anything about the assignment I have sent you to do. As for my men, I've told them where to meet me. So what do you have on hand to eat? Let me have five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. There's no ordinary bread, the priest told David, but there's some holy bread, as long as your men have not slept with any women lately. We have not slept with any women, David answered. In fact, that's the rule when I lead the troops on mission. They keep themselves pure, even during ordinary missions, and all the more so right now. So the priest gave him the holy bread, as they didn't have any other bread there except this bread of the presence, which had been removed from the presence of the Lord that day and replaced with fresh bread. One of Saul's servants happened to be there that day, trying to make himself right with the Lord. He was Doeg the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. Have you got a spear or sword here? David asked Ahimelech. I didn't bring my sword or any of my weapons with me because what the king needed me to do was urgent. The priest replied, The sword of Goliath the Philistine is here, the one you killed in the valley of Elah. It's wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. You can take it if you want. It's the only one here. It's better than any other sword. Please give it to me, David replied. David ran away from Saul that day and went to Achish, king of Gath. 
But Achish's official asked the king, Isn't this David the king of that country? Didn't they sing about him in their dances? Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. David listened carefully to what they said, and this made him very afraid of Achish the king of Gath. So he changed the way he acted toward them and pretended to be crazy. He scratched marks on the town gates and let his spit run down his beard. Achish told his officials, Look, you can see the man is completely mad. Why did you bring him to me? Is it because I need more mad people that you've brought this crazy man to go wild right in front of me? Do you think I'm going to let him come into my house? Okay, so it looks like David's ruse is going to work. Looking back, American naturalist John Burroughs was born on this day in 1837. Widely recognized as a writer on outdoor life, Burroughs made the beauties of the outdoors seem real to both children and adults. His description of birds, flowers, and a variety of natural settings in North America became increasingly poetic and philosophical over the course of his career. He was born in Roxbury, New York, and spent his youth on his father's farm working, reading, and studying. Burroughs' view of nature put him in the tradition of Henry David Thoreau and Ralph Waldo Emerson. In 1877, he wrote, Time does not become sacred to us until we have lived it. Only in looking back do we fully appreciate the value of the times we have spent with friends and loved ones. David and Jonathan had spent some wonderful times together, but now they had to part because Saul was intent on murder. Time had become sacred to them for they never again would be together. Jonathan was David's best friend who always remained loyal. Jonathan is one of the most admirable men in scripture. He knew God had chosen David to be king rather than himself. He never let jealousy, resentment, or bitterness drive a wedge between himself and David. Jonathan gave up what he couldn't keep and gained what he couldn't lose. Looking deeper, God often lets us go through tough times because these times toughen us up. God could have prevented Saul's pursuit of David, but he didn't, so David could identify with sufferers. You can't hide sin forever. Saul's fury bubbled to the surface, revealing his diabolical plans to Jonathan. Until this moment, Jonathan believed his father would not hurt David. When we stop lying to ourselves, the truth may be painful, but we can face reality. Jonathan had long denied Saul's awful intentions. Now he knows how to deal with this evil. Good men do right regardless of the personal cost. Jonathan could have inherited the throne, but desired to please God more than he wanted power and prestige. Real friendship puts oneself on the line. Jonathan risked his life by being a friend of David. God can give us special friends who will stick by us regardless of the sacrifice. Proverbs 27:17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Proverbs 17:17 17, says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Let's end with prayer. Help me, Lord, to recognize the great friends you have given me, and may I be a faithful friend. Help me to appreciate the time you have given me with those I love.